Welcome to Bang on the Money, the feminist financial podcast aiming to smash the taboo around money through honest conversations about mistakes made, lessons learned, and the money myths that hold us back. This podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. Eve Obasi and Ashley Agwuncha are pharmacists by day, bloggers by night, and savers always. In 2018, they founded the online money tips platform Money Medics, along with Ashley's brother and Eve's fiancé, Nicholas. In an article for the Mail Online, Nicholas said, We want to debunk the myth that millennials can't buy their own homes. We bought property worth three quarters of a million pounds between us while still aged under 26 without using the bank of mum and dad. We want to show others how they can do it too with our ingenious money-saving hacks and with shrewd investments. It's become a way of life for us. I'm only gutted we didn't start sooner. So Money Medic started um, approximately January 2018. Mm. So we had like, I think, Eve had bought her house already. Nick had literally bought his house, bought his house and was in the process of moving. Um, and then I was getting ready to buy mine. Um, and... Money is like a massive topic of conversation between all of us. Like we're constantly talking about like how to save it, how to spend it, always sending each other articles. And we're kind of like fed up with the whole millennials can't do this. All we want to do is eat avocado. We're very <laughs> yeah. entitled, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And like um, we kind of wanted to prove that that was not the case, that um, we can do all these amazing things and you don't have to come from a rich family like we don't we weren't born with like silver spoons in our mouth in our mouths I think it's just a case of working hard and strategizing so we was like you know what why don't we share this information that we share with each other to the public and um I think we like had a phone call made the group chat did the logo made the name put the first post out and we got such an overwhelming response from people like it was apparent to us that you know people need this information like when you look at financial information that's out there it's either that it's too much mm-hmm. and it's just like an overload of information um or you're just getting the financial information is coming from people that you can't relate with yeah. you know so we thought oh why don't we bridge that gap so that is literally do you how. think that that idea that the media are always talking about and it is true for lots of people that they won't ever be able to afford a house and that they're going to be renting for the rest of their lives do you think that that makes people less motivated to even try i think yeah. exactly that it's like a bit of a vicious cycle you hear the news and you're just like oh forget it i'm not going to try yeah and then because like we're like we're not going to try the news is like oh yeah they're not trying so it's like a bit of a cycle yeah mm. and they um get what we're saying wrong um because it is a lot more difficult nowadays than it is one when you know our parents were a lot younger um but the point is that there are other ways to go around it and it's harder to find that information because the generations before us didn't have to find the other ways to go around it but we have been finding the other ways to go around it and that's the information that we're trying to share to everyone as well Mm. do you think that having a specific goal helped you like motivate you to save when i was at university i wouldn't well I'd always known that I wanted to have a house but I couldn't I wasn't able to quantify that goal Mm -hmm. then when I graduated and I started working um I came up with the goal of oh I want to save 10,000 pounds in one year and by having that like specific figure I knew that I I had to split that figure into 12 months and then I knew that I had to save around 860 something pounds so then I knew that I had to formulate a budget so eat a certain amount of food maybe buy a certain amount of things so that at the end of each month I had 868 pounds to um 
left over to save. So I think having a goal is really important mm-hmm. and it allows you to like break it down as well. Did you find that, Eve? Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like um, without a goal, you end up just saving aimlessly. There's no reason or there's nothing that's stopping you from taking money out of your savings account. So you'll save and you'll be like, oh, actually, I need to buy this. Let me just take it out of my savings account. Whereas when you have a set goal in mind, um, similar to like when you're going on a diet um, or if you're trying to lose weight, you're like, okay, I need to go down to 60 kilograms. So you always have a set goal in mind. And then um, every so often you can use that goal as a checkpoint or a reference point so you can see how close are you towards that goal. Yeah. And it can be anything like... Uh, uh, emergency fund it can be property it can be a car it can literally anything but yeah have something in mind and then have a specific number on that as well yes. I think really helps exactly yeah. yeah that's interesting that you compare it to like going on a diet because I've always wondered if people's attitudes towards food and attitudes towards money have anything in common for me it's exactly the same yeah me too <laughs> okay exactly so because I try I'd say I try and be like good and not spend too much money and not have too much unhealthy food all the time. Yeah. But then if I do, I don't beat myself up about it. Yeah. I can have an enjoyment fund and I set money each month that I can use to spend on whatever I want. And then it means that you're still enjoying life. You can still do everything that you want and you're still saving at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys have separate accounts for your saving and your like everyday money? How do you organise it? Because I've just mentioned it, the enjoyment fund. So I've got a set amount that I put into my Monzo account and I spend like my everyday spending, whether it's petrol, whether it's going out, etc. It's always from that specific account. And then I have a separate account that my um, uh, my income goes into and a separate account that my savings goes into and the separate accounts that I use for um uh, investing and a separate account that I use for <laughs> my rent as well I feel like oh when my you gosh s- you've got so many different ones <laughs> and I've only got one <laughs> <laughs> I was very against having separate accounts but then I find that when you divide your money you don't go into it because you know okay this card is for this this card I leave at home I'm not going to touch it this is for my savings so it allows me to be a lot more disciplined when I can see everything in divided areas what about you um I literally have one bank account where like my income goes into and um, where my bills come out of then I literally have just like my enjoyment account which is like a percent usually like 10 percent of like my monthly income so I have that and then I have another bank account which I kind of use as, like, my emergency. So I have, like, my credit card, which I only use for my travel. And then I have, like, my investment accounts as well. So now that you guys are on the property ladder and you haven't got that goal anymore, do you still make your lunches, like, in bulk? Um, I won't lie to you, I've become a bit more flexible. So <laughs> yeah, I withdraw, like, a set amount. So, for example, I withdraw, like, uh, £80, which is, like, £20 a week. So then, And that works out to be about £4 a day. So then what I do with that is, for example... I could have one week where, do you know what, I'm going to buy food at work every single day, but I can only spend £4. Or I can be like to myself, do you know what, I'm only going to buy food at work on Friday. So it just kind of gives me that variety. However, um, I think meal prepping is really good. And the reason why I say that is not just like the money-saving aspects, but also I found that when I meal prep time, and I find that I kind of feel better because like you know what, you're putting inside your food. You you can actually mix it up a bit because sometimes when you're buying food at work, you literally find that you're buying the same thing every yeah. single day. I feel really guilty about the amount of plastic as well because so much of the food that you buy out is in a plastic container mm. and then you can't do anything about it. Whereas if you've made it and you've just got your Tupperware, mm. then you're doing something good 
the environment as well. Yeah, that's very true. For Nick and I, we mainly, well, we still meal prep, actually, um, but it's more so because of the time-saving aspect. So when we've got a set amount of food every week and we know exactly what we're going to eat, it's like you come home, you don't have to think about it, you just get food out of the fridge and eat. And then we, like, cook mainly on the Sunday and do it together and we take things in turn. But the thing is... um, For me personally, after you buy a house, then it's not like, okay, game over, you're done, enjoy, (laughs) relax. (laughs) There's always something, there's always something next. So when I bought my house, after that I still had to remortgage recently, then um, I moved, so I had other things to pay for, then I'm about to get married, then maybe children, so there's always going to be something to pay for. So unfortunately, there's always another goal. There's yeah, always another yeah. goal. Yeah. So on property, can you guys both tell like your story of how you managed to get your property, and then any advice that you have for anyone else who is aiming for that? So mine is um, I didn't want to get any help to buy um, or any government schemes because I bought in Bristol. And I am originally from London, so when I moved to Bristol, I knew that there's a good chance I'm going to end up going back to London. And with the help to buy, um, it does come with a few restrictions, as in you can't uh, rent out the place, um, it has to be residential, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I avoided that. Um, how I saved is when I got to Bristol, I knew that, okay, I'm going to eventually buy. Um, so I said to myself, I'm going to keep saving until I have um, about £10,000, and then I'm going to start looking for properties. So I was saving £1,000 each month. Mm. Um, so I lived out of the city centre um, in a place called Bradley Stokes where the rent was significantly cheaper, but I was still able to commute into the city centre if I needed to. Um, I made sure I cut down all unnecessary direct debits, so things like gym memberships, uh, Spotify, I got it I, um, I got it on my phone contract to make it free. Like There's so many different tricks and and hacks that you can find in order to reduce your um, monthly outgoings. And um, when I moved to Bristol, I cut down literally everything. But overall, I would say if anyone does want to buy a, a property anytime soon, I'll say speak to a mortgage advisor first and find out what you can afford based on your salary, and then uh, find out how much a deposit will cost um, if you get a property that. To find out the amount, like let's say, for example, a mortgage advisor tells you that you can buy a property that's £200,000 based on your salary, then find out how much of a deposit that you'll need. So either 5%, 10%, etc. Find out how much that costs and then start saving based on that number. So if you need £20,000 for a deposit, then start figuring out how you can save that £20,000 and work from there. What about you, <coughs> Ashley? Um, so with me, so... Um I kind of decided that I was going to get a house um, when I graduated from university. As to how much the house was going to cost or where I was going to buy, I wasn't too sure. But I said to myself, yeah, £10,000, I'm going to save that. But at that time, I was earning around, I think, £18,500. So then what I did was set my goal of the around um, to save 860 a month. So then to do that, um, what I actually did was, for example, I bought the annual travel card. And so is this the annual travel card for like an Oyster card? Yeah. How much is it? I think mine was like maybe like twelve hundred. Yeah. 
So it's quite a lot it's to spend expensive. all in one go, yeah. but then it ends up saving you loads exactly. over the year. Because then in that year, the only thing I really had to think about was food. And then what I also did was I meal prepped. So that cut down like, my food costs as well. And then stuff like holidays, I, didn't go on hol- I think I went on one holiday um, with my hair. I did my hair by myself. There was no such thing as clothes shopping. <laughs> <laughs> when, when people asked me out, it would, I would have to like mm, consider it. And then what I actually did was um, I made some extra money, so I was a tutor. So what I did was I tutored literally across the weekend, and that made me an extra couple of hundred pounds a month. So with that, I was able to spend the money I made from tutoring, and then I literally saved all my salary that I had. So by the time I... Um, finished my training year I roughly had about the £10,000 so then so this was as trained to be a pharmacist yeah trained to be a pharmacist yeah so this I think this takes me to about like 2017 so I got my first um, ever job um, as a pharmacist and I was still saving and then then I started looking for properties and like looking at property prices so um at first, I wanted to live like close to where I live in Essex, and then I found that the properties were quite expensive. I couldn't afford them, um, and then I started um, looking at new builds um, a bit further out, and I found that the costs were kind of more reasonable. Um, then I spoke to a mortgage broker, mm-hmm. and that that was really good because the mortgage broker kind of put everything into perspective for me. So he was like, "Great, you know what? You have the deposit," but he was like, "Actually, you actually don't have the salary." Um, for the bank to lend you the money you need to buy your property. Because you can only get about four to five times your salary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's even them being generous. Yeah. Um, so then he was like, what are you going to do? So I was like, I'm going to get a new job. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm literally going to get a new job. So I started looking for jobs and then he was like, oh, you, need, you basically need to earn X amount to be able to afford this house. And I was like, yeah, fine, I'm going to get this job. So I started... Um, interviewing handed in my notice and literally I got the job the first month that I got the job um I called the mortgage broker I was like yeah I'm earning this amount of money and um was then, you quite shocked uh, a little bit I guess and then um I think that's like magic you know that's like <laughs> one month later you're like bing done I'm back <laughs> and basically what it was prior around the time that I was job searching um I was looking for um property so I kind of gave myself a budget of £220,000 I want to spend around that amount so it was funny I was coming out of my friend's house and she lived like in Essex and then I just saw this massive sign new houses coming to you soon and I was like oh my god this is the place I want this is the place I'm going to buy I literally registered in September and so the month that I got my new job they released the property prices and then um, they had like a, a seller's event where you had to go there and then I told myself you know what? yeah I want the help to buy what it meant was that with the help to buy um you get like a 20% loan from the government and then um, you put down a 5% deposit of the total property cost and then you get like a a 75% um, Mm -hmm. mortgage from the bank. And then with that, because you're asking for less money, you usually get a more favourable interest rates. And then because you also ask for less money, the monthly mortgage payments are lower. That's interesting that you guys have highlighted like the pros and cons of the yeah. to buy because it doesn't work for everyone, yeah. but it is a good option for like yeah. several people. What are your top like money hacks other than meal preps and looking into annual travel cards? What else would you recommend that people do? Um, oh, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> 
Go I mean, to the Instagram account yeah. and scroll through. Other yeah. than that. <laughs> Apart from going on to Money Medic's Instagram and scrolling through. Um, like for me and Nick, for example, um, when we first started dating, we used to go on dates a lot. And we're both big foodies and we both like to eat him a little bit more than me. But um, <laughs> we just found that we were spending so much money on um, dating and going out, etc. And then we found... Um, different restaurants in London that would actually do soft launches so every time a new restaurant is opening they will have a 50% off so that's one of the things that we were doing and we also on our Money Medics website um, we share um, anytime there's a soft launch that's coming out we always share that so everyone else can get those deals as well um, again if you're dating or going out with friends um, you can use things like Eventbrite where you can find uh, free things to do in London it's all about still enjoying yourself yeah. as well as living on the budget and not feeling like you're missing out or you're living but like also like as you were saying that enjoyment fund that you've got yeah. and you can build in your like fun things to do into yeah. your budget because if you don't do that then you'll just end up feeling like you're just miserable and can't do anything fun the whole time you've just got to build it in exactly and when you've got a set amount for um enjoyment it means that you become really crafty with how you spend your enjoyment so if you want your enjoyment to last throughout the whole month you have to find innovative ways to spend your money to do the things that you want to do but for a cheaper price i've got this rule where for example um if i plan to buy anything outside of my meal prep I can't spend more than one pound so then I do things like let's say for example like at work um you know how like you can buy like the English breakfast or whatever yeah and it costs like five pounds yeah but it's like actually if you buy a bread roll for 30p and then you buy like um an egg no, no, I know it sounds crazy because the, the whole thing together is like five pounds. But if you buy the bread roll for thirty p, they give you the egg for like fifty p and like a sausage for twenty p, and then you get the free ketchup, um, the free ketchup sachets. That's breakfast for one pound that you could have spent five pounds on. So with the one pound, it makes you really like. Um, Does it feel like a challenge? Creative. It is a well. challenge. It's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. Or like sometimes I buy like a bread roll, then I buy a chicken, I buy a chicken, and I make a chicken sandwich. So yeah. a chicken sandwich <laughs> that would have cost me two pounds eight, it cost me less than a pound, and it's healthier, mm-hmm. and it's a bigger portion as well. So I have things like that. Um, other things is um, particularly to do with shopping. So there's two things. So um, um, for example, if like you're booking holidays or insurance, um, always do it on incognito mode. Okay. So, for example, I was planning um, going to Mexico soon, and um, I was, like, watching the prices for a long time. And I noticed, like, running up until the days that um, I was looking to book it, the price was just going up. And then literally, in the hour that I decided to book, I think the price went from £900 to £1,600. I was like, what the hell? What? I can't go. But I thought, no, 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 no. So is that cookies? Yeah, yeah, cookies. So I literally called up British Airways, and I was like, that, that can't be right, that what we have on our system is um, £800. So then I opened up the same holiday on incognito mode and it was £800. So definitely shopping, yeah. Interesting. Mm. The other thing that can be good with travel and um, like train tickets is you can sign up for a specific date like when, and you're notified when those tickets come out. So if you know that you're going to be going somewhere and you, it's like three months in advance, then you can sign up on Trainline, I think it is, and it'd be like, let me know when these tickets are out and then okay. they'll be really cheap. So I now am based in Edinburgh, mm. but I think my train down here cost me £20 wow. because I booked it way in advance mm. and I just like found the right time. And I'm lucky because I'm freelance, so it doesn't matter when yeah. I went, but just 
like planning in advance uh, people make fun of me about it all the time because oh, I just plan everything plan. but yeah. it saves loads of money <coughs> it really does yeah. <laughs> there's also actually this really cool thing um, so I'm currently um, furnishing my house and um, what I did was I signed up to like, all the electrical websites and then all the goods that I wanted to buy I put them all in my save lists and what, and what happens is that when the price goes down it notifies you it's literally every single electrical that I have in my house it's either it's between 40 and 50% off. Mm. So, for example, there's this... I know it sounds really sad, but there's this TV that I've been watching since December. It's like a 65 LG TV that retails for about £1,000. And um, I managed to get it for £630. That's so good. And there's also this website. It's called ShopTagger. Shop yeah. Okay. So what it is, um, basically, you sign up and then you can basically um, put the information of items that you're watching... So clothing, anything, and what it does, it notifies you when the price goes down. That's so good. Yeah, and I've been using that for my holiday as well, the ShopTagger website. That's been really helpful. That's really yeah. good. I have also furnished my flat recently, and it was things like my bed. I found one website, and then I just knew the brand of the bed, and then I went on a different one and a different one. And the same bed that cost like, over £1,000, I think I got for 400 Wow. Just by looking at four or five different websites yeah. and then working it out. And the other thing that's really good if you're furnishing is Facebook Marketplace. Ooh. Have you ever tried this? <coughs> no, I love things like Gumtree and eBay when I'm... Yeah, all sorts of random things go mm. up there and you normally have to go to the place to collect it. But I got a TV cabinet for free. It's really wow. nice. I um, just went and collected it from Edinburgh. I got a sofa bed, which was almost brand new, would have cost £800 or something. Wow. Yeah. And I got it for £100. Yeah. So it's just worth like Are being these... a bit creative and looking at different sources of where you can get stuff. Is that like people putting it up? So they yeah. own it, so similar to... So it's basically like eBay or yeah. Gumtree, but I think it's a lot easier to use and there seems to be more stuff sometimes, mm. which is good. I'm going to check that tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah do it. <laughs> um, so can we talk about saving for your wedding as well and tips on, on wedding because that's another huge goal of lots of people <laughs> well well um when we uh, decided to get married one of our main plans was to have a wedding that is at least um lower than the national average for weddings which currently is twenty-seven thousand pounds so <laughs> we definitely want to do one that's less than that but um what we found so far when it comes to weddings is uh first of all budget so have a budget in mind of what you're comfortable spending without going into debt. Um, and the thing is, because with most people, when they do weddings, this is the first time you've ever had a wedding. So it's quite hard to have an idea of what, how much everything costs. So I'll say ask around to friends that have been married or call some local vendors, call some um, venues and find out the general cost of everything because the prices of when it comes to weddings are absolutely ridiculous <laughs> absolutely ridiculous there was a place that I called up um I asked them oh how much is it to rent out your um venue for um a birthday party they gave me a price I think it was about 700 pounds and then um later on I called back again I was like oh how much is it to rent out the place for um a wedding and they gave me a quote of around like five thousand pounds but I didn't but tell them the that it space. was the exact same space. I didn't tell them that I had just called up. Um, but it's the way people just inflate prices for weddings. Absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, another thing is um, when you do get married, do consider where you'll be staying as a couple and maybe 
consider saving for that first because that might be a bit more of a priority. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to buy a house together, but if it's buying, renting, um, staying in a certain area, figure out where you want to live as a couple and focus on saving for that first before you start saving for a wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, with regards to specifics on what we found so far, how to get good prices for everything. So venues, um, low, low season, which tends to be October, November. December usually isn't low season, but January and February usually are. Mm-hmm. Everything is significantly cheaper around that time. When it comes to catering, consider using more than one caterer. You don't necessarily need to just stick to just the one. Mm-hmm. And find out from your venue if they will allow other like family members to bring in food because you can save a bit if you're not getting drink from the venue and you're bringing in your own drinks and you're asking family members to contribute or... We're considering asking some family members to maybe um, contribute with the canapes, so they'll make the canapes and serve them. So ask if your venue can do that. And people are generally happy to do that as well, because yeah. then you end up being part of the day, and it's exactly. not that you just like turn up and then say hello to the bride mm, and the groom then who are, and then go yeah, home yeah. If you're, and also if you're involved in it before a bit mm. it means that you can get to know the other guests a bit more as well so exactly. it's actually quite a nice thing to do to like involve it doesn't work for everyone yeah. but I think yeah. it's, that's a good piece of advice yeah. for sure and with vendors uh, you don't necessarily have to use the most expensive vendor so we've seen um, <laughs> videographers that cost about six thousand pounds. Oh my god! For, for one day. Oh my gosh! When I just hear these prices, ugh, my mind's going to explode. But um, <laughs> so you don't necessarily have to use um, the most expensive vendors or the vendors with the biggest name. You can try and find up and coming vendors like videographers, photographers, MCs, DJs, etc. Or if you have friends and family that can recommend anyone that they've used then try them first before considering the big names. Um, And ultimately, try and do a wedding, and I know it can be hard for some people because a lot of family members like to get involved, (laughs) 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 but try and do a wedding that you want to have. But yeah, those are tips that we've found so far that's been quite helpful for Mm -hmm. wedding. What are the um, apps that you guys use to help you manage your money? Oh, let's look at my phone, so many. <laughs> Monzo has been good for me. And uh, the reason why I like it so much is because it gives you a breakdown on what you're spending each penny on. So I use Starling for my banking and that does exactly the same thing. Yeah. They're very similar products. Yeah. Um, but also really important to know they're both registered and licensed banks. So if anything goes wrong, you're covered up to £85,000. Mm. Okay, for myself, um, with two apps. I recently started using Plum. Plum is really interesting. It uses AI and open banking to look at your transactions and what it does, it can sneakily take up money from your bank account without you even noticing it. Into your savings? Allowing you to save. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I even heard a story about a guy that he was in overdraft, but then the Plum app helped him to come out of his overdraft and save without him even realising it. Yeah, that's so good. Exactly. And obviously, as a millennial generation, we're all about convenience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I recommend that. Also, there's an, another app that I like called Claire School. Um, there's oh, a yeah. lot of, like, jargon around, like, credit scores and all that stuff. So, Claire School is an app that you can download, and what it does, it just helps you to keep track of your credit score and then gives you tips and tricks on how to improve it. 
So yeah, I'd recommend those. And two. for anyone who doesn't know, what is like why is a credit score important, especially when it comes to property? A credit score allows a financial institution to know um, how trustworthy you are when it comes back to when it comes to paying back money. So a low credit score can be caused by, let's say, for example, you you not having a credit footprint. Mm-hmm. So like not being named on any bills, not being signed up to the electoral or not being signed up to, um, I mean, not having a credit card. Another reason why you can have a low credit score is, let's say, for example, you don't pay your bills back on time. You don't pay off your, you don't pay off your parking tickets. Um, for example, if you live permanently within an overdraft and if like you max out all your credit cards. Mm-hmm. So with that, to them, you are deemed as risky because it shows that you know you can take money, but then you don't know how to pay it back. Um, a good credit score um, shows that, again, you know how to borrow money and you know how to pay it back. So if you have a good credit score, it means that you get more favourable interest rates on mortgages, loans as well. Mm-hmm. And the other thing with them, that like automatic saving that I find quite helpful, so I think both Monzo and Starling have this, um, there's two things. You've got like pots for Monzo and goals oh. for Starling, so you can set up something separate to your everyday money Mm. so it's like you can't spend that money but it's still there and if you need it you can move it back over which is really helpful and you can name it and you can set a target Mm. to kind of just get to get you into the mindset of doing that and then you can also do roundups so every time you spend like one pound fifty on sandwich or whatever 50p will go into your goal or your Mm. pot and then it's just there and it's like automated and you're Mm. not even noticing and then it's similar to money box actually do you guys use that yeah i've heard a lot about people saying good things about money blocks but yeah, so that's the, the same, same sort of concept of like rounding up but it goes into an ISA rather than into a like your own savings within your bank account which is also good mm. do you guys um invest yes yeah yes, yes, she's yes, a very yes. very big investor yeah I absolutely love investing I just find it so intriguing that um I think I just find it interesting that uh you can literally make money from the money that you have without really having to put in too much um effort so I kind of got into I kind of fell into investing again in my final year of university so 2014 um, Apple stocks they split so um, around that time they were like around 700 pounds and they split down to um, 100 pounds and then I had a friend and he worked in the Apple store and for that entire week all I heard was Apple stocks this and Apple stocks that and you need to buy it and I was like yeah I'm going to buy it then so I, <laughs> I literally so from some of the money that I'd saved I just bought like I think I bought like one Apple stock and another stock of, of another company I had so I think after a week or so I saw like the stock price was rising and, and I was making money off of it and then um, I had this amazing app called Hargreaves and Lansdowne and what, what that is it's like a platform which you can use to buy stocks and shares and funds but then also it's like an informational platform so there's loads of like articles and information on the market as well as basic articles on what investing is and the different type of um investing that you can do so um as the money started to rise um I thought I thought oh my god let me buy some more and it just kind of showed me um within investing what's the art of scaling or compound interest as Nicholas would say so for example you could like buy a stock for 100 pounds and then like depending on how well it does that could like turn to a thousand pounds in like x amount of months Mm -hmm. Which is like, and the reason that that happens is because you would have a percentage of interest, yeah. right? That you're earning on that hundred pounds, yeah. and then you're earning interest on the exactly. new amount, which so is that's why it's called compound. Yeah. So then I kind of got into that, and then um, 
I think as the years went by with stocks and shares, it's a bit difficult because like um, you kind of have to do research into like what the company is and how well they're doing. And so um, in 2017, I kind of found out more about ETFs, which are like exchange traded funds. And what those are, you can basically buy into all the six different asset classes like bonds, stocks, commodities, property, cash, alternatives. But then they group you with other people so that you can buy, like, for example, you and 10 other people can buy one stock. So basically you earn a percentage of that stock. So what that means is although, like, you have to share the profits with the group, it also means that the risks the risk is shared as well. Okay. And there are loads of companies that allow you to invest in exchange um, traded funds. You've got, like, Wealth Simple, you've got Wealthify, you've got Scalable Capital, you've got Nutmeg... Okay. You've got, there's so many. And that's safer because it's more diverse. Exactly. Right? Okay. And then also you can basically start with as little as one pound and then set like a, you can either put in a lump sum yeah. or set up like a monthly like direct debit. So, yeah. so I've got that with Well Simple. That's all I do at the moment. I want to build up my emergency fund first and then do like more after. I think the beauty with investing in sample, you, you don't plan to use the money within one to two years. You might as well put it somewhere where it's going to earn interest that is higher than the rate of inflation and obviously with these apps it's so easy to withdraw your money Mm -hmm. if you obviously you shouldn't Mm because you if you left it longer you'd get better you'd get better interest but if you needed to you have access to this money i know a lot of people are fearful that if i put my money in what if i can't get it out yeah yeah, it's but also know that it can go up and down of course of course obviously important to remember So my final question is, what do you guys wish you'd known about money when you were 16? What I'd wish I'd known about money when I was 16 is to invest. Like, sometimes I think to myself, imagine if I was 16 I invested for like 10 years. Mm. God knows. Even if it was like £100 a month. Yeah. God knows how much that would have turned into by now. So that, and then also saving as well. Mm-hmm. So um, no matter how much you earn always try and save a percentage just to kind of formulate that habit so that you know as you jump from pay bracket to pay bracket you're just saving and it's not difficult or something that you find hard so invest and save those would be my two top things I wish I'd known when I was 16. For me personally um probably mainly would have been about saving because when I got my first job um, I was earning £30 a week and I used to think to myself, oh my gosh, £30 a week, that means I can buy one pair of H&M jeans every single week. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'll be having so many jeans. But then now looking back, that was absolutely ridiculous because those jeans, of course, they've gone now and they don't fit me and, you know. Um, so it would have been, yes, being wise about money um, as in uh, considering that there's certain things that you're going to put your money in that will not reap you any long-term benefits um, and they're depreciating assets like buying a brand new car and and, um, saving and thinking about things that are more likely to earn you more money in the future but yeah mainly saving thank you so much for listening to bang on the money if you want to find out more about eve or ashley go to at money medics on instagram or on youtube Thank you to Millie Ashbridge for the music and Bahas for the cover. And please do rate, review and subscribe so that other people can find the podcast.